and it's on the march. So yes, it's a nice, pouring, miserable day here in Ontario, and I'm shrinking by the day. Eventually, I'll be the size of a midget, or unless they call that a vertically challenged today. Maybe that's the politically correct term. But anyway, that's where I am with my little life. For tonight's talk, I'd like to continue with a a sort of follow-up from the last talk I gave, which has to do with power, in a sense, and the different types of personalities which are attracted or, or repulsed by power. We have to remember that we are born into a system which we take for granted as being natural simply because it's there when we're born and we grew up in it. The, the rights or freedoms we, we think we have today haven't always been there. And we, we have them and we never exercise them and it isn't until someone comes along and takes them away piece by piece um, and, and gets to a point that we, we can't ignore it, that people tend to suddenly notice it and, and complain. And that's all they do really is complain or they give power to a leader that leads them to destruction. This is the standard technique all down through history. Prior to the to the Reformation, really, um, and 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 prior to the Middle Ages, right up into the Middle Ages, in fact, life for most people was ordained by the Church. They gave you the reality of the period that you'd live in, whether nobility. Uh, done to 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 sirs and overlords, to tenant farmers, to tenants, to serfs. It was a much simpler life. It was not a nice life for most people. Certainly, the ones at the bottom of the heap. But but they didn't have the questions that we have today. The complexities of of questions about what was the meaning of life, purpose of life. Their whole reality came from the teachings that they were given by the Catholic Church at that time. It, you didn't have to think about things because all the answers were given to you. Uh, you didn't have scientific explanations for anything. Everything was God's will. Uh, God had a hierarchy in heaven and a hierarchy here on earth, which mirrored it. That's the stellar and the earthly one. That's why they've always used the zodiac and the stars in the esoteric groups to explain this. Uh, this was, was always understood by the by the Catholic Church at the top, by those in the know at the top. And you would you would be born into a family, a, a group, a village, and you would know what your task would be for the rest of your life when you were a child. You didn't complain. If you did, there's no one complained to. You'd have the devil in you. Um, you didn't have to wonder about what caused the wind to blow or the rain to fall. And the only entertainment you would have, really, were the occasional, apart from home entertainment and, and folk songs, which is probably the only true part of culture that anyone really had, were, were traveling shows, morality plays, they called them the only ones authorized throughout Europe uh, for the church was by the church and these were called morality plays little bits out of the Bible that would be enacted over and over monotonously to get the moral point across for control purposes to make people obey and see the to see the point of obeying in fact through a, a, um, a story form the same technique is used today in political correctness, and we get the same ideas marketed to us through dramas and even comedies. Ancient techniques, going all the way back to ancient Greece, in fact. So in the Middle Ages, you didn't have the complexities of, of worry that we have today. Um, 
people felt they belonged regardless. You belonged to the class or the, or the social order you were born into. You had a collective mind in a sense. Uh, everything was explained for you and your group, the one that you belonged to and were born into. It wasn't until the rise of capitalism uh, and enlightenment and all the rest of it came in uh, that gradually a middle class began to emerge. And with that came the end of the collective, at least the, the, the beginning of the end of the collective, as, as individuality for the first time was stressed as being important. In fact, all down through history, you'll find this, this push, this gradual push to break out from under the authorized structure of control by various individuals trying to, to, to format things to suit their own sensibilities, their own rationale, when the answers you're given no longer fit, they make no, no sense, they, didn't, they, they don't explain the whys, wherefores of often injustice, for instance, especially when it's happening to you. So with capitalism, it came the push for individuality, and that was further stressed through Protestantism. Uh, the old Catholic Church, although they, they did say that everyone was born a sinner, um, still believed that redemption could come to people and to individuals um, as long as they conformed to the group and did the group thing and, and uh, your, your, your group penitence and that kind of thing. That's how it tight, that kind of worked. But you still did not ever dream about leaving your station and moving up. And in fact, prior to the introduction of the capital system, really the beginning of the banking structure and merchandising big time. Um, prior to that, to the people in the Middle Ages, making profit for profit's sake and acquiring wealth for wealth's sake was uh, an alien idea. It would sound silly to them. It would serve no purpose because at that time life only was the only thing that was stressed uh, life itself was important, at least on paper and in the speeches and talks and the morality plays. People sometimes become nostalgic for what they see as a simpler time. But really, it was a, a fixed, rigid society of know your place, an expression that survived in the English language and in English schools right up into the 20th century. Because we don't think in terms of a dialectic, we, we, we see things going one way in one direction, we, don't, we tend to see effects of things and we adapt to those effects, but we don't analyze the side effects of things because with the rise of individuality comes a price. And the price is that of being separated from a group, the village, the people, the tribe. And this aloneness has been accelerating as the centuries have moved on up to the present time. People are tremendously isolated. And the challenge today, apart from all of the other challenges of the fact that it's already pre-programmed through think tanks and big-moneyed powers, the problem is how do we handle and can we handle, can everyone handle the aloneness? The, the breaking down to the individual where everyone really is living in their little world 
spaced out from other little worlds, from other people, without real, real contact except for the culturally okay things, such as discussing the neighbor's garden or your own or your car or your latest purchase. But really, uh, people are craving a contact. Now, not everyone is at the same stage of development to handle this change. Henceforth, they brought forth the New Age movement back in the 1800s, really, with Madame Blavatsky, to handle this. And, and here's a good point, perhaps, to make. What's the good of having the ability and the right to think for yourself if you don't? And by that, I mean if you, people really look at what they fight for, at what they complain about, how much of that is really from their own original thinking and how much has been programmed right to them through think tanks, through pressure groups, through slogans. As Lenin said, they would conquer by slogans. Uh, slogans go right into the subconscious without question. We just start to repeat them. How much, how much really of your own thinking is you, is, belongs to you as an individual? We find, uh, again, prior to the, this, the, the big push for the New Age movement and into the 20th century, you'd find religious bookshelves in every bookseller's shop, uh, primarily around Christianity and about Christianity or about certain Christians and what they'd done and so on. And everything, again, was to reinforce the, the, the prevalent idea prevalent up until then, since the days of, of Luther, uh, um, on this, this Christianity, this new type that had been introduced by Luther um, in the 1500s, which really was made, as far as I can see, uh, for the Industrial Revolution, for it coming up. They had to create a new work ethic, a Protestant work ethic, of just work, 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 and grin and bear it collectively. And maybe, just maybe, you could be redeemed by your works, in a sense, if you followed the social order that was ordained and preached by the ministers. So, things don't just evolve by themselves. It's more as though when people are ready for a major shift, or at least some are, there's always a vanguard, very often unconnected, uh, the, the think tanks and those in control sense this and prepare for it so that they can give the new types of leadership or religions to take over, to keep control of the new. And today you'll find all of the New Age uh, religion and all of its forms, many guises, different names, it's all the same thing. It's all the same religion, same pyramid. And every in every major bookstore. Masses and masses of books just churned out like, like, like sausages from a machine for everything you can think of to keep you basically for, from thinking for yourself. And yes, they add certain truths in there, but most of it's a spin to spin your head <clears throat> until you, you come out of this dizzy, dizzy downward spiral uh, and you're thinking exactly the way they, they, they want you to think because these are authorized books and for the price that some of them are, are, are sold you can tell they're being backed by bigger powers and of course we know that foundations like the Rockefellers do back many, many authors other foundations do too to make sure that, that, that whatever opinions they're expressing will be the prevalent opinions within society Everything that happens today was gone over and predicted by early think tanks over 100 years ago, 150 years ago. 
and they knew at the time that because they understood human nature, they have archives, not public libraries. They have the real thing. They have the real lowdown, the histories of peoples and formulas on how to control peoples. They knew that we would get to a stage where the struggle for individuality would reach a certain peak. They also knew that not everybody would want this, this side effect, as I say, the loneliness that comes with it. And many, they knew, couldn't handle that. These are the mass people, the mass men and women who want an order of things, an order which gives them answers, which don't have to make rational sense even, as long as everyone else is, is parting those answers around them, they feel secure. That's how religion, in fact, tends to work. And they came out with the New Age movement to keep the people in a confused but controllable fashion where the things which they, they would be chasing because of this drive, this, this uh, subconscious drive of individuality and because of the side effect, the fallout of being unable to handle the aloneness that comes with it, uh, they would be guided into um, a form of passing their time, a religion which couldn't threaten the authorities. So when everyone's chasing their karma, trying to improve their karma, and doing all this, or paying their money and, and taking their courses and things, they're not being a nuisance, especially when they're being taught that nothing's real anyway. That's a, that's a beauty, that one. That's a fantastic move by the chess players, and it's working very, very well with many people. Most people, as I say, have a hard time with reality. They don't go into books to find histories, to find the causes and effects done through time. They, they would prefer that Hollywood give them movies about it or docudramas. Remember, drama means fiction. It's a fictionalized account of something, but this is where they get the realities of the past from. It's always slanted one way or another. And what they've always understood in sociology is that when people become nostalgic for the past, then their culture is on a decline. That's why they give you the, the, the Anna Green Gables and these, these fantasies of some kind of past life that really was only for a very few. Most folk lived in squalor and misery. Now, there's a drive within people that comes forward when they can't handle individuality. A drive kicks in to conform. And the danger there is you end up with mass movements, mass armies. Uh, that's, the, that's, when, that's the type of people who give their, their, their all, their life. They submit. They have a, a longing to submit to power be part of the power structure in a small capacity but to submit to it so a sadomasochistic tendency comes forward and the reason you can have sadism and masochism together is that the sadist and the, and the power hungry want to dominate others the only thing they, they respect is, is power, raw power itself and so their superior is one they, they will respect and almost drool over, in fact. And they love to sacrifice themselves for the cause. The cause always appearing to be plain because it's, it's, it's spoken to them directly by their, their leader, their, their messiah, their fuhrer, their Lenin, whatever it is. It makes sense to them. It tends to verbalize inner thoughts. Uh, it it promises to take away fears. It gives a cause to things. So the same person who 
worships the power structure and wants to serve it because they want to submit and serve to it, they're also masochistic. And we find in these great movements like the, the Soviet era and the Nazi era, which again, remember, were forms of both socialism. You had the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, and the word Nazi comes from a social movement as well, National Socialism. Interestingly, George Orwell, in his 1984, called the particular country of residence for Winston Ingsoc, I-N-G-S-O-C, which was a play on England socialism or English socialism. Major revolutions, physical revolutions, need masses of following. And there always, there always has to be a good reason for them to unify so obligingly to overthrow whatever it is they're overthrowing. And that's always been the case. Very clever leaders and oligarchies understand this process. And so if there's going to be a revolution, it's better that they put their own boys in to lead it. That way they can guide the outcome of it. They say all the right things, always. The people believe that the leader they're given is one of them, implicitly, because he will use the terminology of the tribe or super-tribe, the flag, the the symbols, the phrases from national anthems. Uh, today it's Hollywood, actually. Uh, so the masses help very clever people attain their goals. Even in a so-called democracy, you can elect people who say all the right things. That's why they get in. They say all the right things. But you can get the tyrant coming in that way just the same as, as overthrowing a previous system. It doesn't really matter how they get in. They just get in by any means possible. The communist system was was to get into politics and get to the top by any means possible. Um, and lying through your teeth, teeth wasn't too difficult for politicians since that's traditional anyway. But when you get a true... Uh, authoritarian type character in power you must understand the psychology of that person or, or the group, the coterie around them they love conditions that limit human, human freedom and they love to give speeches about fate and destiny they're fatalist in extent to that person who is giving you the speeches on fate, you must understand his definition will be different from yours. As soldiers traditionally are like football teams. The after games, listen to them. Uh, we'll do better next time. I'm just glad to have served my boys, my team, my fans, and we, we, we will be on track next time. And yada yada yada. It's the same with soldiers when they're interviewed. Well, we did a good job, and we hope to do it better, and uh, with some things to clear up, but, but uh, we're on track. We're doing it now. That's the fate of the one who submits to a higher power. A power to him is a physical power embodied by somebody who walks around called his superior. He worships superiority. He submits to it. Sadism, masochism, together. A small businessman even is the same. And his fortunes go up and down with what you will call economic laws. That's, that's, he'll call it fate, you see. Well, what can you do? It's the economy. And so you get crisis and prosperity to him, which are not really social phenomena at all. Um, 
which could be changed by human activity, but it's it's expression of a higher power to which you have to submit. It's just the way it goes. The authoritarian in charge of a country will say that it's, it's just wars are just fate. It's the fate of man to have wars. And they'll tell you too that it's only natural, you see, natural. Uh, the part of humanity has to be ruled by another part. They'll tell you that the suffering and the starvations across the planet um, can't be changed. It's just the way it is. It's fate, you see. Uh, cripples being born into the world. Um, a lot of the New Agers love to say, well, they chose to become like that. That's their fate. It's a great way of rationalization. You also find that those in control, in a sense, worship the past, at least the past that they have in their imagination. They will tell you and, and give speeches about what's been and say it will eternally be. And to, to, to work for something that hasn't existed before is, is crazy. You can't imagine anything outside of, of creation as it's been. In a sense, that's religion with them as well. Fatalism. And if they cannot accomplish their goals, they will say, like Adolf Hitler did, that if, if Germany was defeated, it's better that they all perish together. Because it would prove, and I guess he was talking about Darwin's theory of evolution, that they were simply not fit to survive and conquer and rule. The Soviet system was no different. They got the masses to back them, a small elite group. It promised them equality, you know, the equalization of misery. Became incredibly authoritarian once they took power and wouldn't tolerate any opinion outside the party line. They got themselves a professional army and became the very thing that they supposedly were fighting against, which was history repeating itself through military power, might, and even under the guise of Sovietism in Moscow, they saw it as just another, another military empire, really, as it always had been in history. We can always look at the, the, the history to learn lessons, if we're willing to learn lessons. And see, leaders are presented to us, and we've watched the ones who are elected do this as well, uh, flying into what seem to be bouts of rage. The leaders that are supplied to, to fight the New World Order, uh, if they're genuine, if they were genuine, wouldn't fly into rages. Because there's a difference in effect between impassioned speech and bouts of rage. Rage manifests the very fear in the listener that they perceive and sense coming uh, from their oppressors. And it's like being an officer. When an officer loses control, then those who follow are psychologically defeated right there and then. And Adolf Hitler used to fly into tremendous bouts of rage. Those who served Lenin and Stalin uh, also were known for their, their bouts of fury to their underlings, especially when they came up with uh, 
defeat in certain areas of a particular sphere. It wasn't tolerated. Opinions were not tolerated outside the party line. There was no such thing as, sorry, I couldn't quite make this quota, or whatever it happened to be. So therefore, within the authoritarian character is a form, a, a type of sadism, which manifests itself, which will be obviously obvious only to the sadists themselves, with the games that they play on the underlings beneath them. And they're well aware that people generally submit when they come under attack, an attack especially that is furious and they can't quite understand, they tend to submit to the person doing the attacking. This is an old, old plot plot. You'll see it in a lot of marriages, in fact. And it works very well for the bully. The one being bullied will generally apologize and grovel because they can't imagine such a, an outburst of fury having no cause. And if you, if you buckle down once, the sadist, an aggressor, an authoritarian figure, will push further and further next time until it's an endless cycle going round in cycles. Recently, I got an, a mail from someone who, who watches the website who said, I generally agree with everything you talk about, but recently... Uh, they weren't so happy with my comments on uh, the war against the Arabs. And this person, who obviously does not think for themselves, because they, they use slogans which are marketed to them, uh, brought up the fact that the women have to wear veils and so on, and that offended this, this person who mailed me. Uh, they were offended by the fact that the women had to wear veils and so on. And this, of course, is the politically correct speech we hear all over. Well, I'm offended by this. This offends me, you see. Yeah, brought up by Singer and other uh, psychologists. This was the, the, the way to, for motivational uh, changes in people, behavior modification. And people are modified all the time, and they don't know it. They just parrot what was given to them. Well, if, if your eye offends you because of your veils, pluck it out. That way, there'll be far less blood coming from somewhere, which will be you, than there will be from all over the Middle East. That's my simple answer to that. This isn't being callous. You don't go and slaughter people because they won't conform to your wanting, your way that they should behave, dress, act, or whatever. We're in the mess we're in up to the present stage because of killing people because they're different. And differences in the long haul will sort themselves out as individuality arises, as time goes on, as it has been for centuries. It's only the control freak that could possibly even use that excuse to justify a war against another people. And this person who mailed me also mentioned that the burning of the flag and how the Arabs were so happy. Well, CNN and all the big media did eventually admit that those scenes that they showed after 9-11, immediately after 9-11, were taken from years before but some other incident. So someone who just watches the TV, seeing is believing, uh, I, I can't spend time on educating you because you don't want to think for yourself. You like being, the ideas being marketed right into your head. You want everybody to be the same as you, and yet you haven't come to the realization that what you are is a composite of what's been marketed to you by others. You are not an individual. This is your favorite song.
to it now. They can't tell fact from fiction. There are so many front people out there guiding them, misguiding them, uh, leading them up the garden path, as I say. Uh, they have their heroes of the, the, of the physical realm. They have their heroes of the New Age realm who are all heavily financed, you can tell just by their websites, that there's not a little person sitting there any more than H.G. Wells was in his day, sitting with a typewriter. H.G. Wells had a whole office block to himself and masses of staff working to churn his, his propaganda out. And under the guise, of course, of fiction, although most of his books were non-fiction. But people don't discern, they don't ask the obvious questions. And they, they like to have superstars. They don't ask how they became superstars. You cannot become a superstar in this day and age unless you're made one by others, the professionals. And they get the nod from those above to make this person or that person the, the, the spokesman or the, or the superstar. That's how it's been for a long, long time. You're promoted to the top. And people follow the stars. They like the superstars. Because we're taught in this system that success, by any means, is all that matters. It doesn't matter how you get there, just get there. So someone who appears to, to have their face all over the planet and doors opening for them must surely have the talent and skill to do it on their own. But, and it, that's so far removed from the truth in this day and age. It just doesn't happen in any sphere whatsoever. Many people say to me, why don't you talk every day? Why don't you give a, a talk every day and put it out there? Well, I'll tell you, I don't have a staff to help me do anything where it split the wood or fix anything or just basically survive. I would need staff to do that, as all the rest of them have staff. I don't um, bring in the kind of money or have it come in through the back door either to, uh, to do this every single day of the week. And because I don't give them the popular messages, I could give popular messages and say we can get the countries back but that would be a big lie, because we never had them in the first place. We were never in control of our countries. I've heard people say we can get America back. Well, what period in, in history are we talking about? Who controlled it then? How did the people live then? And how can you get something back when your whole system is based on an economy and all the manufacturing is out of the country today? It's been set up that way for this to happen. You can't save something that was never yours. What you can do is direct the changes off track into another direction outside of the control of the established elite. Now, Aldo Huxley himself said there is a dominant minority and I presume there always will be he never questioned that fact he should know since he belonged to the lesser orders of those elite families he was still a member of them he knew the real histories he, he never mentioned politics because he was well aware that politics was irrelevant to the course of the world it's just a show for the public every political Prime Minister or President is appointed to that position and given the nod long, long before the public even hear their names. They're vetted throughout their life for their position. The advisors are more important than presidents. They work for the real bosses. They know the world agenda. The advisors are in cahoots with advisors across the planet. If you notice, they're all advising their prime ministers or presidents to do the same things and sign the same things at the same time. They're the grey men. They work between the physical realm, the ones that we see, and, and the, 
the, the dark side, you might say, the ones that don't become visible to the public, the real powers that be. So the dominant minority and their descendants down through the ages run the system based on what? Based on money. Based on money. Something that everyone on the planet uses. And because it's there, we think it's normal. Even though none of us can, can tell who or why the banking families, the big international bankers, have the right to even decide what money is. Should we even use money in the first place? What is money? Apart from an idea. And if there was no money... Is there any other way of living? The elite have already figured that out because the next phase we have to go through is electronic banking and purchasing. But there will be no other forms of money at all except electronic blips on your card and on a screen. Everything will be tracked and traced. But that's only part way because out of the, they've even worked it out that after that's over and done with, in the new society, the Huxleyan world, which will eventually, down the road, come into existence, everyone will be reared and probably special purpose made. ID is not just your, your identification. ID is intelligent design, you see. They want to intelligently design you for your purpose, and you will serve the state. You won't, won't need money. You probably won't have the capacity to imagine or even discuss what money is, because you'd be more like a, an efficient robot than a person. This is where ultimately they will go. The cashless system is only a, a part we measure, a stepping stone towards it. Everything that happens is a stepping stone to the next step. And we adapt being the most adaptable creature on the planet. And every child who's born into the next phase thinks it's normal because it all exists the way it is. There are grandparents alive now who aren't even listened to when they talk about country living where they had to smash through ice to get water in the winter and that was normal. Uh, that, kind of, uh, that kind of thing is absurd to a, a child of today. Just a blink in the eye of time, really, a difference between them. But it's absurd in an age where you, you just turn a switch and on comes your heating, your lighting, and everything else. You pay for it, mind you, and it keeps you in the system because you must earn the money to pay for it. And you become more dependent than ever, interdependent on the system. Until you will have no independence in any sphere whatsoever, nor any ownership of anything, something that's taboo in all of the authoritarian dictates of socialism and capitalism, by the way, because capitalism runs socialism, always did from the beginning. Now, I've taught many, many people over years on different levels of the understanding of all of this. But I only teach the ones who are able to accept, accept the understandings of the higher truths. Those who can't get the higher truths tend to get terribly offended and they turn on the teacher. And it isn't my fault that you can't understand. It's a choice they've actually made within themselves. They don't hear what you say. Their greed for the idol blinds them to all the gold dust you've scattered before them in the past. They're oblivious of the gems. And that isn't my fault. And people like that, you can't take any higher. You can't bring into the, the deeper truths. And apart from that, not everyone can handle them. 
because much of the news is not good news, but you have to understand the bad to get beyond it. You have to go through the darkness to see the light. That's always been the way. Always been the way. Those who can only go so far are not ready for it, and possibly they never ever will be ready for it. They're more composites, let's say, of personality, of their training, their culture, their indoctrinations, and their own particular bent of personality type. They're not a, a truly individual free person. And you can't teach everyone ultimate truths. They can't handle it. If I was going on uh, blessing Christianity and pushing that, I'd be on many radio stations, as I'm sure the listeners know. It isn't until they find out that I, I speak out about certain aspects of their religions that uh, I don't get the calls coming in. That's to be expected. Uh, it takes a brave person and an honest person to step outside their box and say, well, he's right on this and he's right on that, so I'll have him back. And there aren't too many of those around. Other ones would have me on the New Age shows because they're really blossoming right now. They're getting pushed big time. The mind control of the present to go into the, the near future. And they already have their gurus prepared, promoted out there for the people to follow with the usual fatalist stuff involved, once again, the control freaks with the fatalism. It's in the cards, it's in the stars, it's written here, it's written there. Can't do anything about it. It's fate, you see. And they're already out there and being highly promoted. If I was to go easy on those guys, I'd be on some of the biggest shows, as I'm sure some of the listeners have figured out already. But I tend to try and tell the truth as I perceive it. And I tell the bad news, the, the dark side of humanity, the stuff that doesn't make you feel too comfortable. But everyone in this world is what I call a, a shmeeple. It's a combination of schmuck, sheep, and people. Everyone's been fooled. Everyone born has been fooled into this existence from the beginning by very clever techniques and mass marketed from the top to the parents as well. And it takes tremendous willpower on the individual, tremendous, uh, almost heartbreaking, searching, a hunger to know truth to bring them through. Most people don't have that. Some are born that way. Others it will hit later on in life, uh, but a hunger comes upon them. And someone who's hungry, you can tell right away because they will listen more than, than, than talk. Someone who's talking is really telling you what they already believe. They're trying to guide your answers into a certain direction which will make them comfortable that isn't someone who's truly looking for a truth. They're looking for something which makes them comfortable in the condition that they're already in. When society has been steered towards a period of great change, there's always tremendous confusion. There's anger. There's also much misdirection of anger, as we're told what to be angry about. H.G. Wells himself said, many people will die fighting the New World Order, but they'd never know that they're trying to save something which was never theirs. The big boys are updating their system the changes are underway. They have been all your life. 
simply doesn't harp on about it. They divert you into trivia. They tell you what's important for you. The changes, as I say, are on the way. We're going through them. It's more of a matter of deciding. Can it be thwarted in the direction that it's heading? And for maybe the first time, can we actually steer it into another direction? That's what's really important right now. There have always been changes. But the changes have always been directed and planned and steered by the navigators as the column in the high societies. We have to take that direction from them and steer it somewhere else. And truly the battle is between those who want uniformity, standardization, and the occasional individual here and there. We know that those who seek uniformity ultimately always conform to the next part of the system which they at first opposed. Changes are here. They've been singing about them since the 1960s. And you whistled the tunes, you sang the words, but you didn't hear. Time may change me, but 